Hi everyone, this is Simon Snowder. Welcome to my podcast series. I am going to invite thought leaders where we can all benefit from their knowledge. This is in addition of the masterclass series and the content that I share on my website and social media channels. Powered by Radical Thinking. Hello everyone, welcome to a new podcast episode. This is episode number 18 and I have for you a great guest. His name is Bilal Alavi. He is the head of customer solution and CVP of this region and Africa and Eastern and Mid-Europe. He works for Visa and we're going to talk about digital payments. It's his personal opinions that he will be expressing with us. So he's not talking on behalf of Visa, but because he's an expert, we're so glad that we have him here below. Welcome. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yes. Look, I, I wanted to talk with you for quite some time. So I'm so glad that you could come here. Um, and uh, maybe you can start with introducing yourself, like, you know, who's below? How did you end up uh, where you are right now? And what was your path towards that situation? Did you always want to wa- uh, work in digital payments or did you end up there by accident? Yeah, well, I act by accident, but it, it's a long story. I, we have time. <laughs> <laughs> I started uh, in Pakistan. I've, I'm originally from Pakistan. I uh, did my master's there and then I started working for Citibank. And uh, the reason why I started working for Citi is that, you know, when, in, when you're in Pakistan, your careers are either engineering, doctor or banking, more or less, right? From yeah. being, from, being uh, from, from heading into, uh, into building your career, right? So that's, that's the direction generally that we were given in that time. No, it's very different now. So when we started at City, City was an international company. So I worked for a year in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And after that, I moved to Bahrain uh, with City itself. And I worked in Bahrain for a period of nine and a half years. Um, I was in payment. So I set up cards, uh, the cards business for Citibank Bahrain. As, uh, and then, you know, went on to lead it. Uh, and then from there, we went to Egypt. Uh, uh, and I was heading the cards business and the marketing for Citibank Egypt for a couple of years. And then we moved back to Bahrain with American Express. Uh, I was leading their region as well for two and a half years uh, across Middle East and North Africa. And post that, I joined Citibank again. Citibank is my parent company, right? I've enjoyed working with them for a long time. So I moved back with Citi, but this time I worked in Europe. Uh, where I was heading the, the cards business again um, for City in Czech Republic, and I was doing um, you know some uh, coverage of Hungary credit card business as well. So uh, post that, uh, we moved back to Dubai, closer to home. My family is based out of Pakistan, as you know. So we moved back to Visa, where I was head of consulting for Saudi Arabia. Uh, based out of Dubai and post that uh, now I head the product division across Central Europe, Middle East and Africa. Yeah, that's quite a journey. And, and did you think at one point that you would even end up in the banking industry when you were younger and in university and you're thinking like you were, in, you know, envisioning your, your life later? Or was that also something that you wrote into uh, more or less by, by chance? Yes, and, and yes, I, you, I mentioned by accident, right? So yeah. yes, um, I used, wanted to be a professional cricketer. Um, okay. I, was, uh, I played uh, for um, the domestic structure when I was in the 13s and 14s. Yeah. So I represented Karachi for a couple of games. Um, an inter- interesting story, I uh, took, uh, so I was selected for one of the teams, right? Uh, when I was 16, right before, right before, um, post my A-levels and uh, pre my, you know, bachelors. So I took a letter of selection. There were almost two and a half thousand people in that. They were selecting close to 25 and I was in that 25. So I was very proud of myself and I took that letter across to my mom and she tore it up <laughs> into pieces. So uh, my my career, career cricket was, you know, dead from that day, right? Yeah. So I had to go study, still follow, still play it from an amateur perspective, represented the Czech Republic national team. 
but obviously now too old to represent any team except you know a group of friends. Nice, nice that you still made it to to representing a, a national team. That's very uh, you know honorable. And uh, that moment that you were at high when you had that list to like the opposite in like what ten seconds? Yeah. It, <laughs> Because just, uh, you know, cr cricket is is in the blood for a lot yeah. of South Asians, right? So if you think about it from our perspective, when we grow up, we play on the streets. From there, we head out and we try to play as much as possible. Uh, so for me, it was a dream. Yeah. And uh, I always wanted to represent Pakistan, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it's it's good to have that uh, ambition and dream and, and passion for, for a sport. Um, it's just that sometimes, you know, your parents as well and... So, you know, they also want the best for you and exactly. they just don't want you to end up on a path as a 24-year-old, not having a club and being a super talent, but it's not working out. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, but did, this did work out and, <laughs> and I'm sure your, your, your mother is now like, see, see, I put you on the right path. <laughs> yeah, I have no regrets. I mean, it's, it's been good. We, I still got to play cricket, obviously yeah. not at professional level, but played all my life, been playing for 37 years. But uh, what sports does, right, when you start working, it puts you in a competitive mode and you're working to achieve goals. And that yeah. helps you in your professional career, right? So True. I think in, in my in my case, I found payments interesting yeah. um, and, and evolving constantly, right? So when I was heading cards and I had an experience of almost 16 years in the banking industry, people used to ask me, how much I knew about cards and payments, mm -hmm. right? And I always used to say I know 5 6% because the minute I increase it, things change and evolve. So uh, because of that perspective, you know, that evolution, I don't think there's anybody that can claim that they know the payments industry, right? Because it's constantly evolving. Yeah, so, so let's talk a little bit more about the evolution of digital payments. Like for, for people that are not like 24-7 involved in it, when did it start? Where are we right now? And where are we heading towards? It's, it's, it's a good question. Let me start with payments first, right? Yeah. I mean, and then come to digital payments and then to where we are today and then what is expected, right? So in 1950, there was a gentleman, gentleman called Frank McNamara, if mm -hmm. I got the name right. Yeah. Uh, he was at a diner and he was dining with his wife when he realized he's forgotten his wallet. And uh, then numerous stories, numerous different versions. Yeah. One of the versions is he had to wash dishes. Yeah. The other version was his wife paid for him. Or, and there's another version that is he called his friends and they came with cash. But all in all, it prompted him to think about an IOU system, mm -hmm. which essentially meant that if I don't have the payment at that point in time and can pay later, I should put a form of, um, I owe you in place, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, he, in 1958, he founded a company called Diners Club. We all know Diners Club. We've heard of it. And Diners Club formed the first credit card that essentially started the payments evolution. So this was the first instance where uh, payments from a IOU perspective started. Uh, Post that, in as, as things evolved, people started getting more into payments. This didn't, didn't take off much, but you know there were batches of 2,000, 3,000 cards stand out from Diners Club to people who, and essentially it was focused around dining, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the concept grew further in 1974 when Bank of America launched their America card, right? Uh, actually, 1958, 19, sometime in the 1960s, early 1960s. And in 1974, America card coincidentally became Visa, right? So uh, from that perspective, payments has grown exponentially. Uh, now, when the system of payments came into being post that period, it still hadn't evolved beyond a credit card or an IOU system. It didn't, mm -hmm. hasn't evolved into digital, right? But in 1974, I, I believe it was Stanford, Stanford Credit Union that started online payments as a first instant. And then we know about PayPal. PayPal came into being uh, with Elon Musk founding yeah. it. And then PayPal and eBay, and eBay, which was the online auction house, started to work together a lot more closely until eBay acquired PayPal. I think in that period, in the late 90s, and then Amazon was also you know, coming up that period of online commerce 
prompted the growth or acceptance of digital payments in that era, right? So if you look at the foundation blocks, these are the companies that essentially brought it forward. Uh, and online payments was the first form of digital payments. So now when we look back, and, and I told you that I'll come to the now period, if you look at it now, digital payments is far more than just online payments. They've got, you've got digital wallets. Uh, you've got face-to-face -face tap uh, devices. Uh, the next form of evolution from online payments was actually contactless payment, um, where contactless, when you tap and go, the card, right? So if you have a card and you tap it, that's what initially got the technology that you know led us to the evolution where we have today towards mobile devices, towards phones, even biometric, right? Mm -hmm. But the contactless payments was the next building block. So first was online payments, second was uh, contactless. And contactless started the evolution of acceptance of cards without taking it out of your pocket or just, you know, just tapping it on the go or having it in your wallet and just tapping the wallet. So once you started doing that, the near field um, communication technology, the NFC technology, allowed the operators, the mobile operators, to start thinking about how this could be incorporated within the phone itself because the phone is something you always carry. And because of that, you've seen acceptance grow exponentially because people have now started moving towards the mobile phone, the digital wallets embedded within the phone to use. Now, post that, then Apple came into the picture. You've got Google coming into the picture where they have Google Pay, Apple Pay, which made it even more seamless from a from a you know, uh, security perspective from a uh, overall acceptance perspective. So when you look at the journey, the journey started with online payments, actually payments, then online payments, then you've got contactless, post-contactless, you've got the digital means embedded into the phone. So yeah, it's been a very interesting evolution across the, the last, what, 30 odd years in terms yeah. of digital payments, but there's still a lot more to come. Um, sorry, sorry, you were saying something. No, I was not saying something. I was just thinking about like my own experience. Like right now, when I make uh, transfers, I just do biometrics. Now, Correct. Which is so handy because I have so many passwords for different bank accounts, yeah. and I just don't remember. And then, and then also, I don't have to have security like codes anymore because they know it's me. Biometrics is very uh, apparently very secure. Um, and then I was thinking about like that I never thought how that also was integrated into digital payments, how in the end all of that comes together and that is also part of the evolution that we have the biometrics connected with the digital payments. So when you were explaining this, I was like, wow, it's actually a much bigger world than just the payment itself. It's also everything connected around that. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, the, the next step is that, exactly, right? Where the form factor would not matter. The form factor being the plastic, mm -hmm. right? The form factor is slowly disappearing. So you barely see people take out credit cards, at least in Dubai, right? So and, and each country and each region is in a different phase of evolution. There are still countries which are purely focused on cash and not on the card. And any of the card exists as the physical form. But when you look at Dubai, right? Dubai has evolved tremendously fast. Uh, in terms of the evolution for payments. And when, when I barely carry my, my wallet, right? Uh, I, I keep my card in my phone, right? And, um, and generally as a backup, because I don't even use it, it's just the tap or the watch, the Apple mm -hmm. Watch, right? It's either of the two. So, um, but to answer your question on, on, on the biometric uh, evolution, now think about the future. The future mm -hmm. is uh, essentially you walk in, and uh, you want to make a payment, you, they scan either your eyes or take a fingerprint and your payments will be done. So your payment integration into, um, into biometrics uh, uh, acceptance is going to grow. The only need is that there is infrastructure involved, right? So that yeah. setup will come, but the technology exists today. So today there are biometric payment methodologies that exist uh, it's just that they need to evolve beyond acceptance into the normal framework where, you know, today the device is more about the tap and go where the verification is linked to a payment means. Tomorrow it is going to evolve into you as an individual and you has already the connectivity of credit, of your debit and yeah. whatever you choose to pay. So you could tap it and go. 
in uh, some part of the world, I have heard, especially in Europe, um, that they are embedding chips within the fingertips, which essentially are NFC, mm -hmm. that you just tap and go, and you don't have to carry any form of payment because everything is linked back uh, to that chip. Yeah, that's 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 looks like a science fiction movie. Correct. But it's becoming reality. I I've, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard about like that they're already doing pilots in China with uh, with 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 face scanning and eye scanning payments. Correct. Um, and whenever they do a pilot, they they just can do it on millions, and then it's still small compared to their mass market. But um, but la it's very interesting to see when it rolls out on the bigger scale, if it rolls out how the integration will be and what that will impact on the society because all these um, biometrics and all these other parts became so vital for a phone, a phone became so important. I mean, one of the reasons why phones have become more important. Uh, but if that's taken away from a phone, will be a phone still as relevant as it is today? I think uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good point. The evolution he is heading towards instantaneous payments, right, essentially, if you think yeah. about it. And the means to an end is today the phone because you carry it with you. Tomorrow the phone may also evolve, if you think about it, right? Uh, I mean, I've seen some sci-fi movies where you've got, uh, you know, a chip embedded here. When the phone rings, you answer it and you talk and you don't need to carry anything. So there yeah. are uh, so many things that are happening across in every industry. I think it's... Uh, it's important to think of them not in isolation but in mm. conjunction. Yeah. And when you think of them in conjunction, you'll notice that there are so many synergies that they draw from each other. So if the phone evolves, so is the payment. Mm. If the payment is evolving, so is the phone. So I think it's it's connected and you'll see this happening in the future. Uh, and um, and I think the, the technology is growing by leaps and bounds, right? I mean, we if you think about it, if you go back 15 years, you couldn't imagine what's happening in the world today. I couldn't, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's it's evolved so quickly. I think that's exactly the point I was trying to make, right? The evolution and pace of technology is spurring the growth of every, um, every I wouldn't call it payment means, but every in interaction and customer touch point, right? Whether it's in payments, whether it's you're going to a government office 30 years ago to a going to a government office today, wherever you are, uh, everything is evolving in terms of making the process and customer experience a lot more seamless. Well, one, one other point, and this is a very important point, right? If think about pre-COVID and post-COVID, yeah, right? A huge shift, huge shift in customer preferences and perceptions for shopping, right? Pre-COVID was essentially more face-to-face, -face, more I want to check the shoe size, I want to check the shirt size, I want to go feel, physically touch it. And, um, and payments were there online and digital, but it was more for things that they didn't need to you know, wear or fit. Now, it's simple. They just do uh, a scan, look at the size. They do a virtual check. There are virtual rooms that you can go and actually try on the dresses. Yeah, I have you, seen those right? programs. So it's, it's, yeah. Even in Amazon, if you take, a, you take a scan and you're buying a sofa, you can actually place the sofa in your living to see how it looks like, right? Take a snapshot and then see if it looks good or not. So, the digital payments on that front, pre and post COVID, and online acceptance and online, you know, usage, has actually changed the dynamics in a number of markets, which weren't actually accepting digital payments earlier as much as they are now. Yeah, definitely. I see for, for example, for myself, for shoes, for I, w I would never thought I would buy them online, but then recently even from buying at stores, I made mistakes. And then I'm like, okay, I made the same mistakes that I thought I would not make if I would buy it from the store, which is too small. So I just, you know, there were there were companies where you could buy shoes and you can try it out at home. If you don't like it, within Correct. X amount of hours, you get a refund. Correct. Then guess what? Mm. It worked. I was like, wow, I don't have to go there, you know, waste my time uh, doing it easy at home. And, and, and that's, again, then, a market lost for the retails face to face, but a market gained for the online retail and for digital payments then because everything is paid digital instead of me be being there at the shop, maybe, maybe paying by cash. 
No, absolutely. And, you know, I've ordered things that I never thought I'd order online, right? Even in COVID, um, I had um, a TV ordered. I normally am very critical about ordering TVs, right? I do the yeah. research online. I look at YouTube videos and, you yeah. know, reviews, etc. You like et it, huh? You want yeah. to talk with them as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so and, and warranties and things like that, right? Yeah. If it goes wrong. I've ordered a TV three, three and a half years ago and yeah. it's working fine. No issues. Yeah, but funny that you say that because I ordered a TV online, which was perfectly fine until my uh, oldest daughter like tore it off from the wall. <laughs> um, and uh, so I thought like, okay, I will get a TV. So the next morning I went because it's a kind of a thing that you miss instantly. So I went to the store and I bought the TV and it's actually, I paid the same, but it's not as good quality. And I should just should have just reordered the the, the same the one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I did a better job online. And this is the funny part. We have these preconceptions. This is not possible to be yeah. done like that until it's done. Correct. And and the the thing is right. I mean, if you think about it, you go to uh, the the face to face interaction is important where things are more personal in nature, mm -hmm. right? So you may need to get personal services and you may not, you don't want to get them at home, you know, the the spas and, you know, the experiences that you want. So you'd rather take that at a physical level, right? But if you're thinking from from a, from a perspective of, uh, you know, the, the, the material things, right? I, I have realized that you really don't need to think from a face-to-face -face interaction perspective. You can actually go and on, order online. The flexibility of returns is in, instantaneous returns, at least in our part of the world here, is amazing. I mean, because you like it or you don't like it, irrespective of whatever it is, whether it's the size fit or whether it doesn't look right, you yeah. can still return it, right? Yeah. So, and and that's the same flexibility that you have, you know, going to the store. So, people prefer either this uh, to over going and, you know, spending time. And, you know, there are positives going to the mall also, if you think about yeah, it, yeah. right? There are positives of the kids running around, the positives of the food, etc., and the experience. So, like I say, right, the experience itself is, if you are wanting to have that experience, you still can. But if you really just want to save time and you're thinking about just getting that element of the, the, uh, the, the device or, you know, anything else that you're ordering online is, is the way to go. Yeah, and, uh, I think it's also interesting to see, um, for example, you said about spas. I was seeing now that, who was this? I think it was um, Kareem was suddenly adding like a feature, order now at home uh, a spa. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I exactly. can get a spa at home? And yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you got uh, ancillary service. If you go to Amazon today, for example, and, yeah. and I know this is not an adver advertisement for Amazon, but yeah. it's got Amazon Home Services. And in Home Services, you have a host of things. I had my digital, uh, so I was struggling to fit my ring bell, doorbell. Uh, yeah. This is two, two, three years ago. So ring doorbell, nobody was like, like an expert in it, right? Yeah. But then Amazon service, Home Services started and they have experts for everything. So you have you know, your, your, your light bulbs, your everything. Like when anything that you don't want to do, you've got a service there. Wow. So, so it's, it's the digital world is evolving, right? And interfacing with the physical world, which is a great thing. Yeah. They're not independent of each other. This is what I was just yeah, trying to say. And, and it opens also a market for, for businesses that normally are not able. Absolutely. Right? Because they have this great product. And they are looking for customers. Customers are looking for that great product or services. And then suddenly, by knowing how to charge them and them knowing how to pay them, they can come together. And that is what, you know, companies like, you know, digital companies like, you know, Visa and PayPal and MasterCard and all of them facilitate. Yeah, correct. It's not just the goods and services. It's, it's also... Uh, so it's not just goods, it's services as well, right? Yeah. I mean, services in terms of handyman services. Yeah. And, you know, when we when we moved into Dubai and when we were in Egypt, when yeah. we were in Czech Republic, one of the things was that when we used to get settled in a new home with all the furniture and everything, you need a handyman, right? Yeah. So we were struggling to figure out where to go, what to do, right? How, who to call. And we're calling in favors from people who moved before us and we were asking them. Now it's simple. I mean, in, even in Dubai, right, you've got handyman services. There's a certain charge for it. Just 
pick up the number of hours and call. Yeah. So yeah, services and, and, and what it does is like you rightly said, it gives um, local businesses the, the viewability, the, the, because all they have to do is sign up as a provider yeah. and you go through these, these, these giants, right? These payment, these, these uh, retail giants online which essentially then allows the credibility to be built into their service because obviously they have to be certified, blah, blah, blah. And then as they start performing, they get more and more business because then it becomes word of mouth. So it helps local businesses also proliferate. So it's a good idea to integrate services into digital payments as well. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think it's also like the way you collect the money as well. Um, I think it's also safer for, for both sides. So. If you if you give cash to somebody and they get a lot of cash and they collect that cash, one, um, you know, you put them in a situation that they need to be fully trusted that they bring the cash back, which is of course always a temptation. Correct. I'm not saying people cannot do it. I'm just saying, you know, why put people in such a temptation? Uh, and uh, the second is, what if uh, you know it doesn't get accounted for properly? I've seen this happening where they came back to me and said, oh, no, this, I said, I gave you the money. I don't know what happened. I even lost money from my pocket. And, uh, you know, and it can happen. And so how can you account properly for the transactions and store them and also see when it happened and verify that the payment happened? Correct. So I, I think that is also a great benefit for business owners. Absolutely. And even for consumers, right? I yeah. mean, it's... it's having a record of every transaction that you've done and where you've done it, what the value is, if you do it in cash, you don't have it, except the receipts and you can't be carrying receipts, right? So uh, tomorrow if I have to look, so one thing that we've done as, as a family, right? Um, we've tried to categorize our transactions running through only payments or payment cards, right? So majority of our transactions or cost or uh, or what we pay for happens in cards. and yeah. we, you can find out how much you're spending in grocery, how much. You, so it keeps an account from an individual perspective and the same thing for businesses, right? Yeah. So you've got business, app, um, you know, transfers, payments, or, you know, uh, when you're paying to other companies rather than cash, if you pay through digital, everything is categorized, details of the payment, for what reason it is. So it helps businesses. It also helps regulate, you know, a lot more closely the activity from a business and consumer sense because then you know that the payment through the right channels are being made and being recorded the proper way rather than cash. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do the same at our household. Uh, we try to pay as much as possible um, by card. And then the end of the month, you know, it, it is also frustrating sometimes because not always you want whatever you want to pay to be like show like why did you order so much of that <laughs> my ass, i said well uh, you know but it's there but it's it's a great thing because um yeah you have that stored you can go back towards it you can also do some great analysis to see like what is your fixed cost where is the cost coming from Correct. how can you optimize it um and if it's rising or declining what's behind that so you have all that data which is, you know, always stored there. Um, and uh, and that, that is also very helpful. And yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the beauty of it is that uh, you've got reward systems, right? So mm -hmm. essentially, if you link when you're paying, you get rewarded also, Yeah, right? that's, that's, that's a big part why we do it. We want the air miles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you get, you get the option of, of being rewarded for your payments in cash, you don't, right? So yeah. when you pay on, on, you know, on cards and, and you know, uh, whether it's through the digital means or normal means, right? You get uh, an accumulation of these rewards and you like cash back, you like miles, you like, you know, reward systems, which essentially gives you option to choose from a number of, you know, more online malls that these banks put up, right? So, um, I think it's a it's it's a win-win for the consumer. It's a win-win for the businesses uh, when you have an infrastructure set up like this. And it, you know, only this way is it sustainable yeah. because it's benefiting every partner along the way, right? Whether it's the banks, whether it's the whether it's the the merchants, whether it's the individual consumers, right? Because everything along the payment ecosystem is winning 
and yeah. and I think that's the beauty of the of the payment system as it stands today. The payment system as it stands today. Absolutely, and um, I have family in Norway, so I I visit them on a regular basis, and I also go there because it's beautiful nature and there's so much to explore and hike and visit, and. When I was there in 2010, I remember well that they did not pay anything in cash. And, you know, at that time, I, I don't think I had a credit card yet. And they were just like, no, 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 it's just like we don't use cash. And this was 12 years ago. Wow, yeah. And I heard they wanted to go fully cashless. I think they are already yeah. fully cashless because every time I go there, everything, even the smallest transactions, all everybody has like a receive, uh, you know, a payment digitally. Do you think eventually everybody will be at that stage? I think the evolution to that place is different for every market, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, while you have the technology and the means in some parts of the world, um, it's not being percolated downwards to individual consumers in some of the markets because there are market dynamics mm -hmm. that differ, market regulations that differ, and customer preferences that are different. So uh, to answer your question, I think that countries that are brave and are willing to head down this route and invest in the infrastructure will move much more quickly. Yeah. But there will always be countries that essentially will, uh, you know, be slower to adopt and, and, you know, not stay behind, but actually adopt their own means of payments, which may not be as efficient, but it would serve the purpose because of the market dynamics and the customer preferences they have. The example I can give you, right, and I won't name countries, but I'm just telling you that there are some countries that are at 98% cash in today's world yeah. uh, where they still rely on that because the cost of the transactions that pass through this ecosystem is very high for merchants. So the merchants are not willing to accept the payments and and because of that, uh, the and, and if they don't accept, they only pass on to the customer and the customer don't want to get that on their, uh, you know, so instead of being charged 100 dollars for the transaction if they got ch charged 105 110 for every transaction it mm. adds up right so so I, I think the evolution is going to be very very quick so in countries like like ours here and in some of the other countries on uh, you know US UK Canada and, and these markets right they're evolving very very quickly because they have the willingness and and the ability to invest yeah and to the infrastructure because that's very important. Think about the first building block is always the acceptance element, right? So if you have the acceptance of payments, then payments proliferate. But th and that requires massive infrastructure changes, etc. So I think it's <coughs> to answer your question, it depends on the markets. But yes, the evolution is definitely headed in the right direction across the world. Yeah, I, I think that's fair as well. I think that's to to say that everybody has their own space because you need, for example, a bank account. And not everybody in the world has a bank account to, to, you know, to deduct whatever IOU you have set out. So um, how can we expect for people that don't have a bank account yet? Some people don't even have a phone yet. Um, so the, you know, their credit cannot be checked, if their credit worthy or not. We cannot put them online or we cannot put them on the system, even if they want it. So for, for that group, I think first they need to economically evolve towards that status where they can have Correct. that. Uh, but for the, for the groups that are already there and could do it, uh, do you think that those countries in general, do you see um, a push within the countries and within the, the companies, within the governments, uh, that there is a movement or in general a trend for the, the, the countries and economies that are capable and able that they are willing to go towards that route? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the, the, the end goal is the cashless society in a number of developed markets, right? Uh, they, they, the reason for being cashless is to bring more transparency in transactions, 
transparency in the ecosystem for monitoring those transactions and also the customer experience that they want for consumers right and for the businesses as well so uh, yes uh, to answer your question i think the evolution is headed in that direction from a ca- from the the goal being a cashless society for some of these developed markets uh, you know and and I, and i think it's getting there if you think about it in dubai for example i don't use cash like i was saying right i yeah. honestly don't use cash it is always the the phone or the card uh, and um i i don't even remember the last time i withdrew cash to be yeah. honest right uh, it's even our credit even our cricket matches payments are online right so, <laughs> so to that extent where uh, you know even the maid that comes to our place is online uh, mm-hmm. the the dry cleaner that comes carries a machine with him so it's yeah. like uh, incredible right so we don't we don't and this is this is what the future would look like to some of the other developing economies yeah. in the future right so um it is a great uh, it's a great goal to have because as i said right from a regulatory sense also it's one of the best things to do uh and 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 from a consumer preference perspective it's an ideal thing to have i, I i'm smiling because i remember a story um where where i was uh in uh, in a country where often people you know when you stop at the traffic light people come and they ask for money and then of course i don't have cash in general i'm not joking i don't have often cash with me and then he grabs the machine and he's like no problem you can pay my card and then i was like wow you know so it, it will help everybody including the you know the, the the unfortunate people that that need money to collect money yeah yeah it's 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 uh, it's amazing i mean if you think about it from where we were to where we are right and it's not just payments i think generally as as a race uh, we've come leaps and bounds over the last 30 35 years right exponentially yeah. in everything that we do so you know uh, i think things will only get better in terms of uh, you know payments in terms of digital infrastructure in terms of acceptance in terms of customer experiences for client, for people so i think we're heading in the right direction yeah and also i think for a government it's also easier to collect tax if everything is done you know with 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 a digital footprint we can all say fair and square how much we need to give and how much they should collect so there's a great incentives Correct. for governments as well yeah to yeah. make this work exactly um and if if we look at um in general in in this in this world of uh, of digital payments um where where do we see new projects coming up where like let's say the, the crypto world uh, they 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 claiming that they're going to replace i mean i'm not saying they i've heard a number of group of people and so called experts uh claiming that they are going to wipe out the you know the payment companies the mastercards the visas the paypals and they will be the ones that are going to be you know the market players in future payments do you think that they are correct to say that that there's some truth in it or, or what is the your opinion on on this whole you know crypto thinking that they are going to wipe out the payment companies um so uh you know what i would say is that don't think of them um uh, as competing mm-hmm. think of them as complementary right uh visa mastercard and the other comp- and the other payment schemes right they are essentially rails and these rails connect whether yeah. it's domestically whether it's globally right but uh, and and what runs on the rails is currency currency meaning it could be cash tomorrow it could be crypto so if you think about it it's not competing with any of these companies or uh, because the currency will run on the rails so what the future may hold is the integration potentially and uh, of, of of currencies onto these rails so essentially it's not about the payment companies being wiped out more so the the uh, more so the focus is more about how 
does the how do these currencies go mainstream the only way for them to go mainstream is to integrate with existing rails because to create their own rails they're going to take decades right if yeah. they set about doing it and today there's no patience in decades of infrastructure setup right so either you pass or you fail even if the acceptance of that currency is there which it is right mm -hmm. i mean crypto is growing exponentially bitcoin all 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 these uh, ethereum you know all the currencies are growing falling growing falling volatility yeah. is there but once they stabilize and once they are essentially accepted from a regulatory sense as a currency across most markets then the only option is essentially is that they will be integrated into the payment ecosystem and when they get that acceptance mm -hmm. that's when it uh, allows uh, you know greater acceptance into so i i don't see them as i don't see them as as competing i see them as complementary and um, I, you know obviously i'm not not uh, a crypto expert but what i'm saying is that for me the right sense of flow from an evolution perspective of how they're expected to grow and evolve is essential integration into the payments ecosystem as it stands today rather than you know work on its own parallel path yeah i i like that um, i i'm not a active crypto investor but what i've done is uh because i know the uh the company and the people in the company uh, quite well so what they what they've done is they've set up a uh, a crypto and a um, and a token company with mining and everything in it is it's like a it's a whole uh, utility company with a lot of things in it and their whole idea is, is let's work together with the institutions let's bring crypto together with the institution that's a whole mission and they um, w one of the things that they have achieved is that they sign up uh, an official uh, term of business with visa and um, I can actually pay now in day life with the credit card that is issued because uh, what happens is um, the the tokens are then converted to cash and that's how IOU works then with the Visa. Correct. Visa collects from them the cash, they collect from me the tokens and it all comes together. So on a regular basis the group that I'm involved with they said like oh I paid this with my tokens and you know um, and then I spoke with them as well the company I said you know how do you do it how do you make sure that visa doesn't you know collect uh, what they don't want and they say well we, we just collect we just give them cash because they don't accept our tokens as value which is fair enough and I, I, I see other projects like that starting with other companies Mastercard PayPal etc I see a lot of like discussions happening and I think that's a, that's a better way forward I think to just see how can you integrate things how can you collaborate correct then to say yeah let's wipe out these people these dinosaurs and, and you know and who's to say that they are dinosaurs and they don't have a place in society as well so better to just to see where is that common ground and where can we work together I, I, you know as, as I said right I mean this is an ever evolving um, evolving uh, company, right? Yeah. Uh, Visa, for example, and uh, my, and this is my personal view, right? So, uh, is a is a network of networks, meaning that it's not just a one one dimensional uh, company, right? It works across multiple facets of life for individuals, businesses, consumers, and uh, you know uh, ac across the the payment ecosystem. So, uh, when you think about when you think about crypto and when you think about all these uh, all these currencies that you that are evolving over time right i mean uh, today for example there is a visa crypto card that exists mm -hmm. there are co-brand cards with crypto that already exist right crypto.com yeah. so uh, like i'm saying the 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 way forward for them is the integration and i think it's accepted uh, the more regulated the yeah. more uh, the more systematic because the crypto world is chaotic if yeah. you if the to say the least right if you think about it uh, the volatility that it brings etc people are excited about it mm -hmm. but people have lost money as well right so yeah. uh, i think the stability that will come 
once the regulatory aspect comes into play will help it to systematically integrate into the payment ecosystem and that should essentially uh, you know help all yeah. involved right because um, essentially it is another currency and that currency of value will still be the form of factor that will be that will be required to do the transactions. Yeah, exactly. What I what I like a lot is like for example concepts. Um, I'm learning a lot about this, you know, about the world and uh, about when they speak with me, I always like gain something new. And they say, look, what we're trying now is um, actively in South America and, and in Africa. And they're speaking directly with governments and with head of states, and they they're trying to see if they can get a digital wallet in place so that a person that never has the facility capabilities to open a bank account can have their some value stored and then allows them as well to do more transactions and that's better for everybody correct when transactions go up everybody benefits GDP goes up businesses rise people are trading more so facilitating the trade in the world and in the country and in the city and in the, in the village it's in everybody's benefit. Yes, agreed, completely agreed. Right? And and I think that's the goal. Yeah. And you know, think about, think think from an evolution perspective, like we were talking about, right? Yeah. There's an element of evolution every uh, every decade or every few years, right? So you've got payments, you've got digital payments, on which are online, and you've got contactless. From contactless, you've got mobile wallets. From mobile wallets, you've got you know the Apple Apple Pay, Google Pay, and then you've got biometrics. And now you're thinking about a new currency in itself. So these are building blocks right, yeah. that essentially help the evolution along the way. So, uh, and I think this is this is the way to view it. If you start thinking about it's either this or that or this or that, the evolution stops because yeah. it's not. It it has to be complementary in a seamless way because technology is advancing in fifty million ways in different directions. Right? Uh, it cannot be antagonistic it has to be complementary for it to be seamlessly moving forward and i think the jumps are because of the 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 seamless movement forward for example like i was saying the payments and the mobile phone yeah. they're all they're all evolving but they're mm -hmm. evolving in a system systematic way which essentially connects to each other so same way as as you see all these other building blocks including crypto all this is integrating into a seamless journey that's going to make payments a lot more systematic in the future as well and a lot more encompassing it could beyond cash for example right so yeah and I, and i'm very excited about when i see certain uh, um, when i see certain progress like now the european union has decided that they're going to put a task force together for the digital euro version um, and okay it's still far away until they are at the end result but at least they started with working on uh, a digital version of the euro um, I, I know that China is very far in their own version but they have also been working on it for many years and they have already like in provinces and big cities they have already been testing it uh, but still there's still work to do for them to roll it out completely uh, but at least that progress is made and that can be copied potentially by other countries then they don't have to do all the hard work correct, correct. Uh, and then there's other countries as well that are working on a uh, potentially on something similar how how would it be easier for for digital payment companies to integrate a digital version of a, a euro or a dollar or or any other currency into that system or is it just the same thing as you know somebody having cash in the bank and exchanging that for whatever they pay with their cards I think so obviously it's a, it's a tough question because from it's from a regulatory sense right um, I think the attempt is there mm -hmm. to digitize economies mm -hmm. and in digitization comes the understanding of equating values of cash to that digital currency mm -hmm. so I think that is something that is still being debated how it is done because today the physical money is also digital in nature yes right so yeah. so it's it's exactly that point that is being debated whether there is a need to bring that digital currency because the equation of that digital currency is exactly what your physical money money values in mm. so i think it's it's about uh, 
how easy it might become in the future. So, I think it is just about a, like I said right form factors should not matter in the future as long as the means to transact digitally exist. Now, whether that is using physical money in your bank account, whether it means you have crypto uh, stored a, in, a, in a world or uh, online or it is digital currency that you have, everything essentially translates into currency being you know used digitally. So, I think if you think from that perspective, whatever form factor exists really does not matter as much as the journey of using digital payments for services, goods and you know transactions, passing. Uh, you know, for example, Visa today has a product called Visa Direct which essentially stands instantaneous payments from your card to my card, right P2P or if you want to send to your mother back home, mm. it can go back to her card or debit, you know, her debit card automatically and get credited either to her account or keep it on the debit card where she can transact. So, really? I think it's, uh, and, and like I'm saying, right, I mean, this, the, the form factor is changing in terms yeah. of the payment itself, right? You and me can instantaneously send money anywhere we want, uh, either to each other or to any part of the world as long as there's the infrastructure which is being set up to support it. And that's where revolution is happening. As I said, the rails are the most important thing. And these rails are already existing with Visa, for example, right? So, once you leverage these rails and connect the dots between consumers, businesses, etc., the currency and form factor should not matter as much in the, in the, in the future. Do you think it would be possible to pay the rent by, <laughs> by credit card one day? Because you know, I, I would love to get ammo for my rent. <laughs> Actually, it is going to be. The future is headed, I mean, if you're thinking Dubai, yeah, absolutely. It is there. I mean, it, the option exists for a number of the developers already. And it's slowly starting to pick up across others as well. So, uh, you and will see. landlord as well, uh, you know, me, because my, my, my landlord is not a developer. But I, I understand that you need to start somewhere first. Correct. And uh, installments, you can just probably take it away with your credit card. I mean, the, the bigger developers are already thinking about it uh, from a mortgage, and there are some. For, I mean, I started think about it. I mean, I, you could buy a car today on your credit card if you have enough credit. Absolutely, but I, I mean, if you think about it, the, if you're buying a car uh, which is you know at a at a showroom, they have the machines. You can buy a second-hand car for a smaller amount in, under your budget or if you have a higher limit, you can buy, actually buy a car. I mean, I had the option of buying my yeah. the car that I was getting on the credit card and I was going to get miles on it. So, I, obviously, I didn't because I was, I was looking at an, at, a, uh, at an auto loan at that particular point in time. But, I'm just saying but the that down payment you can pay. Absolutely. Yeah. Down payment also. I mean, there are the means to get what you want generally from a, from a payment device perspective is there for you now. It never used to be. Imagine going to buy a car back 15, 20 years carrying cash, right? Uh, or, 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 or trying to get a loan in that time frame, right? To get the cash and then have the physical cash not transported through the account, but carrying it to the device, you know, hiding it, putting it in a bag or a box and carrying it across. So, it's that entire journey, right? I mean, the it's entire stressful. Yeah, it's stressful, right? I mean, and, and, you know, I used to live in Pakistan and, you know, we used to be, uh, even when we did, when we bought an apartment, I remember, you know, my mother and my father carrying cash in briefcases to pay the down payment for the, for the house and then the, the full payment was actually cash transacted at a bank because, uh, at that time, the online payment has a threshold, so you couldn't send a certain amount yeah. beyond. So, yeah. it was physical, completely physical. So, very different infrastructure now, right, across. Yeah, definitely. And it helps also so much because, you know, what if something would have happened and, you know, the, and, you know all that cash would just be devastating if, if something happened with, with your parents when they wanted to make the down payment for the, for yeah. the house. So you solve a lot of problems. Do, do you think we are also creating problems? In, in what sense? By we, sometimes when you solve problems, you also find out that you create new challenges or new problems that you need to solve again. So th there are. I mean, if you, if you think about it, there are, uh, there are angles of fraud that mm -hmm. comes in when you're thinking from a 
credit payment perspective because the payments are happening in an environment. It's not physical, it's digital. So you and I, if you're a business and I'm the, I'm the person buying from you, you don't know me. Yeah. Right? The only way you're trusting me is the payment means that I was being authenticated and validated, right? So uh, frauds are there, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's credit or debit. You, from a usage perspective, people skim uh, cards, uh, use credentials, use fake credentials to, to buy stuff. Yeah, so fraud is, a, is, is one of the drawbacks of digital payment, right? But, but there is a lot being done for it. I mean, uh, there is 3D secure enablement across merchant, uh, online merchants, which essentially prompts you to get this OTP, right? So if you're transacting, yeah. it has to be linked to your phone. So it reduces the form factor. Visa has um, a system called VAVRM, which it's trying to help and integrate um, into the payment ecosystems with banks, etc., which monitors transactions in real time to make sure it calls out any fraudulent transactions that may be happening at any point in time, right? So uh, there's a lot being done in this space, but yes, that's one of the drawbacks that I could I could potentially call. Yeah, out. man, I did read somewhere that the, there's quite a lot of big numbers if you add all that fraud combined up, um, and there's serious like organizations that they, they look at it as a business, you know? They're not like some guy in some room, right? No, this is, this is like the proper organized crime worldwide, seeing this as a way of, uh, you know, uh, making money yeah. instead of extortion of local business owners. Now they're like, hey, we found this new way how we can make money, and you know, chances are that perhaps we get caught or not, but the, the, the opportunity is there to make money. So, uh, where do you, with, with the fraud part, where I think it's hard to stop people, right, from really doing wrong things in life. I, I think it, it's hard to stop every individual from doing yeah. wrong in life, right? But what you can do is put measures in place. And I think that's what's happening in the payment industry. As it's evolving, in parallel, there's a strong focus on making sure that you are uh, protecting people as much as possible, whether it's in the form of um, having real-time systems that enable triggers, right, uh, or whether it's in the form of um, trigger, in the form of authentication of the mm -hmm. transaction itself, right, because you link it to the ID, you link it to the phone, you link it to the mobile number, you link it to the email. So a lot of the triggers elements uh, also help. So so the whole ecosystem is now evolving, right, as a fast pace. So are fraud fraudsters. Yeah. Right. They're also evolving, but it doesn't mean that you've got you know on this side no one protecting the consumer. There is a lot of effort happening on that front. I mean, you've heard of ethical hacking, so a lot of companies hire hire hackers to essentially hack and try hack the systems and you know figure out if the transactions can be you know made the fraudulent transactions can be done on their systems. How can they be done? So they try to plug the way of how hackers could actually go in and you know get into the systems or whether uh, you know you know people can use loopholes within the system to do fraudulent transactions so i think a lot is being done in that space yeah I, uh, no i fully agree with you i mean recently I, my my credit card got uh, you know compromised and they texted me they called me straight away and even i did not know what was going on i didn't even receive funny text messages yet and their system already detected it, and they're like, we're going to send you a replacement. Um, and I also try to pay as much as possible with my credit card, because I don't know if it's true, but I heard that every payment is insured with the credit card, so you can get the money back if something goes wrong, as long as you don't have put the OTP and all that stuff yourself. Um, and with a debit card, if you lose money, you're not insured. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it depends though. I mean, the, the, how, the, how the product is constructed, how it's being thought through, whether it has the insurance or not, it, it completely depends on, on that front, right? So, but uh, the insurances exist. So, if the product owner or the bank or the institution wants to enable it, they can. There's a higher price for cash, which is linked to your account because the exposure is much higher. Mm. Uh, but on the credit side, the, uh, as long as... Uh, the credit extension, if, if there's a bigger transaction that happens and it's fraudulent, the systems pop it up immediately. 
same as debit but debit then its cash is gone right so it's not credit it can't be reversed from a merchant perspective the cash can disappear from your account so i think the the insurance element exists it's just about the coverage and uh, coverage may be more expensive on the debit side that's why a lot of companies may not be offering it Look, Bilal Olavi, it was such a pleasure having you here. I mean, you have answered and provided so much insights into the digital payment industry. And um, I think it was very, um, yeah, you know, I learned a lot. And I'm sure the people watching would have also picked something up. So thank you so much for coming on this podcast and, and, and being here and sharing your opinion with us. Well, thank you, Simon. It was a pleasure here, uh, coming here. Uh, and uh, I hope I was able to give value add value from my perspective and i hope the the people who watch this can at least have an understanding of some of the basic principles uh, the the story at the start is my favorite right how it all started so it it'll be interesting to see how people think through this well it'll be lovely one day to have you come back and then we can add some new stories to the evolution um so for the people that watched uh, my name is Simon Snowder And this was my guest, Bilal Alavi. You can watch this on YouTube and on Spotify and many other channels. Thank you for watching. Thank you for coming, Bilal. My Thank pleasure you, to have you here. And uh, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye, everybody.